morning. Find your Bibles and let's open them to Psalm 107 today. There's a sermon outline in your bulletin there. Pull that out. Let's get ready to learn. Psalm 107. You'll find that on page 947 in that book rack Bible. We love Bibles. We hope you have a Bible. If you don't have one, stop by our bookstore. We have free Bibles that we give away in our, in our prayer room as well uh, because we want everybody to have a Bible. Now, you might have a tablet or a smartphone or something that has 47,000 translations of the Bible on it. That's great too. That's fine. But there's something about the book, something about pages. You can write in the pages. You can kind of see, you know, sweat and blood at times when you're going through stuff. It's just great. So we love the book. We've enjoyed this little series we've been doing for the last four weeks, Grateful to the Core, Poetic Insights into a Thoroughly Thankful Life. Poetic insights because we've been in the Psalms, and the Psalms challenge us to live thankfully all the way to the core of our lives. And the four action points that we've gleaned from this series in the Psalms is that when it comes to our gratitude, number one, we need to, we need to make it our song. Number two, we need to bring it to church. Number three, we need to put it to work. And number four, we need to use it to witness. Now, if you want to put that another way, we would say it this way. We'd say our thankfulness should be seen in our lives. It should be seen in our worship. It should be seen in our service. And it should be seen and heard on our mission. So that's where we've been the last few weeks. And today we come to the last installment of this series on looking at how gratefulness to God should mark our mission. Now, one of the easiest ways to share our faith, and we all should be sharing our faith. We're all witnesses of the Lord Jesus. But a lot of us are kind of nervous about that. We don't see ourselves as evangelists, and we get really, you know, our throats get real tight when we think about, I need to share Christ with somebody. But I want to show you and remind you this morning that the easiest way and the most effective way to share our faith is simply through the stories of our lives, through what happens in our lives, how God stepped in and rescued us in our lives, and how he continues to do that. So when something really cool happens in your life, you share about it, you talk about it, you speak up about it, and that's what we're going to look at. Now, how far should this go? We should be thanking God in front of our neighbors, it should be in front of our family, in front of our coworkers. we can be doing that, but God wants it to go all the way to the nation's. God wants our gratefulness to be seen and heard all the way to the nations. Let me just give you a few scriptures since you're in Psalm 107. Just hold there. I'm going to put some scriptures on the screen and you'll see kind of this theme come out. Psalm 911 says, Sing praises to the Lord enthroned in Zion. Proclaim among the, say it with me, nations what he has done. Psalm 1849. Therefore I'll praise you among the nations, O Lord. I will sing praises to your name. Psalm 57, 9, I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of, your, of you among the people. Psalm 96, 3, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among the people. Psalm 105, verse 1, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done. There are so many scriptures all through the Psalms and all through the Bible that describe how worthy God is of our gratefulness as his people. And he doesn't want just our families to know, just our neighbors to know, just our coworkers to know. He wants the nations to know. He wants everybody to know that God is a God that is faithful and he is worth all of our praise. 
So when we come to Psalm 107, where, you're, where you are right now, we kind of get a picture of this glimpse of our missional aspect of gratitude. Gratitude should mark our mission. It should advance our witness, our testimony, whether to a neighbor or to the nations. And as you look at this psalm, I want to break it down and show you how this works. There's 43 verses in this psalm, so I'm not going to read the entire psalm and then go back and teach it by rereading it to you. We don't have enough time for that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to highlight some things. I'm going to show you some big picture items in this psalm, and then I'm going to go back and we're going to teach it as we go. So we'll read through it all, but I don't have time to read through it twice, okay? So if you're, if you're looking at the psalm, let me show you a little bit about, you'll see some themes come up. Look at verse 6. Whenever we get into trouble in our lives, okay, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. See that again down in verse 13. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. Are you getting the theme here? Go over to verse 19. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. And then look at verse 28. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. Isn't that cool? So what this psalm is showing us are four scenarios of where we find ourselves in trouble, and what do we do? We cry to the Lord for his help, right? And the Lord meets us there. Now, what is our response when the Lord meets us? Well, let's go back and look again. Following, let's look at verse 8. Let them, that's the people who cried out to the Lord and asked for deliverance, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Drop down to verse 15. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Drop down to verse uh, 21. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. And then drop down to verse 31. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Are you following the pattern? You see, in every scenario where we, where we find ourselves in trouble and we cry out to the Lord and he delivers us, what is the proper response? Thank the Lord. And thank the Lord publicly. Do it publicly. Let people know what God has done in your life. So that's the whole point of this psalm. The whole point of the psalm is when you find yourself in trouble, and you're crying out to God, and you see how God works, then we should thank him for it, all right? So that's the, that's the psalm in a, in a nutshell. Now, what I want to do is I want to frame the sermon with three statements, and I'm calling them if-then statements. You know what that is. If something happens, then something else should happen, right? So if you're taking notes, we're going to see this first if-then statement in verses 1 through 3 and verse 43 of our text, Okay? So let me read that now. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Over in verse 43. Whoever is wise, let him heed these things and consider the great love of the Lord. Okay? So what this psalm is showing us we don't know who wrote this psalm, and we don't know even the context of why he wrote it or whoever wrote it. Some speculate that perhaps the writer of this psalm lived in the days following the exile when God allowed his people to come back out of exile back to their home uh, place in Israel. And if then, we could also admit that as a timeless truth, no matter where we are or where we've come from, we should speak up, okay? So here's the point if you're taking notes. If we're God's people, we should speak up about what he's done for us. 
That's what this is saying. In fact, look at verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this. Say what? The Lord is good and his love endures forever. We should always be saying that. That's what the psalmist is saying. Some translations say it this way. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I mean, we're just too quiet about this. We're not telling people what he's done in our lives. Now, a good place to start is by thanking him for who he is. Just start with that. We've been learning that all month. Start with what he is. Start with who he is. And what this psalm tells us right off the bat is that he's always good, right? We've heard that statement, right? God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. We say that, but you know, we ought to be saying that all the time in our hearts. I mean, really, we say that all the time, but do we really do that all the time? When the car's broken into, do we say, thank you, Lord? You know, when, when we are short at the end of the month and, we, you know, too much month for the money that we earn, you know? Do we say thank you? When our kids are in rebellion, do we say thank you? I mean, we're not quick to say thank you, but why do we say thank you? Because God is always good. I love the song that we oftentimes sing, you are good, you are good, when there's nothing good in me. That's a beautiful song. Not only is he always good, but he's always loving, verse 1. He's always loving. We sing another song around here a lot, and it's, it's a song that it's entitled, one, uh, one Thing Remains, This One Thing Remains. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. It's such a great song. So God tells us here so beautifully that we can thank him. We start by thanking him because he's always good and he's always loving. And this should be something that should just come up in our hearts a lot. This is part of our missional strategy. We should speak up about what God's doing. I met with a, a man this past week. I've been out of touch with him for several years. He's a guy that's had a lot of ministry opportunity and just kind of lost track of each other. But he visited a couple weeks ago and I bumped into him in our lobby and I said, oh my goodness, how are you? And we embraced and talked for a minute. I said, man, I want to catch up. So we caught up this past week. And he shared with me the story of just how his life had gone into a, 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 a spiraling down uh, of, of difficulties and trials and problems and some choices he made that weren't good and things that happened in his life that he had no control over. And I could just see him as he's sharing this story. He was uh, embarrassed, uh, tears in his eyes, didn't know how he could say these words, and I just stopped him in the middle of what he was saying. I said, hey, first of all, I'm glad to see you. Second of all, God is always good. Third of all, God uses the stuff, the junk, the, the terrible things in our lives to do a new work. Because I could tell, I could tell his question was, can God ever use me again? Like he used me in the past. I mean, this was a moment. This was one of those moments where he's thinking, here I'm talking to a, a person that I respect and I love and look at all this stuff that's in my life. And it just hit me as I was talking to him as he was talking about the mess that he was dealing with in his life and that he had been dealing with, coming out of it, thankfully. I said, you know, it's interesting. The first four letters of the word message is mess. <laughs> and, and it just, I don't know. He, I've never heard that before, he said. I said, I've never said that before. <laughs> but when you're describing your mess, it sounds like this is what God likes to do. He takes the messes of our lives and he allows them to be the message. 
I've heard people say, God, you'll use the test in your life to give you a testimony. I mean, those are good ways to remember that whatever we're in, whatever we're struggling with, it's not wasted material. We may not like what we're in. We may have to take huge responsibility for places we're in, but we can say at the end of the day, as we cry out to God and he meets us, thank you, God. And Lord, you're going to use this in our lives. So whoever is wise, the end of this chapter says, whoever is wise, let him heed these things and consider the great love of the Lord. All right? So that's the first little part. If we're God's people, if then, we, if we're God's people, we need to speak up more about what he's done for us. Here's the second if-then statement. Are you ready for this? Verses 4 through 32. If we're honest, we've got plenty to talk about. That's right. I mean, this is so great. If you're scared about sharing your faith, just tune in now for the next 10 or 12 minutes because you're going to get some easy, you know, lobs about how you can share your faith in the most unoffensive and the most strategic way possible because all you're going to be doing is sharing what God has done in your life. So in verses 4 through 32, there are four scenarios, and I've already kind of given you a little briefing. We haven't looked at what they are, but kind of they're, they're saddled with this, you know, they cried, the people were in trouble, cried to the Lord, he delivered them, and what did they do? They gave thanks to the Lord. So in verses 4 through 9, we got the first one. We could talk about a time maybe when we found ourselves in a place of real desperation. I wonder if that's anybody here right now. I wonder if that was you last month or last year or this last decade. Let's read it and just see if this, it connects with anybody. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Desperation is a possibility when dealing with various issues in life, but it's almost guaranteed when we lose our way. When you lose your way, when you've lost where you are in life, where you're going in life, and there are people of every age that lose their way. I meet them all the time. I've been one of them myself. In the midst of life and pursuits, we just sort of lose our path. We lose our way. And in our losing of our way, we get desperate. We experience a level of desperation. And it creates enough trouble in our lives where it eventually leads us to cry out to God. God hears our cry. And he delivers us from our distress. Like it says here in verse 6 and 7 and verse 9. Here's the main idea. When God delivers us from our desperation... Are you ready for this? We should say so. That's it. God put you back on the path? We should tell people about that. God rescued us out of a situation because we wandered off? We should tell people about that. That's our testimony. We can look back and see a time or a season in our lives where we got off track. We called out to God and he delivered us. When was the time that you were desperate in your life? The Lord had touched you during that time. Or you can look back on a season in your life where that's the case. That's a beautiful entree around the table at Thanksgiving this week or maybe in a conversation at work or sometime soon where you could share somebody 
with somebody your story. The next scenario comes to us in verses 10 through 16. Or we can not only talk about a time where we're desperate, but maybe we could talk about a time when we found ourselves enslaved to the things that we thought would give us freedom. Verses 10 through 16, follow along as I read. Some sat, remember verse 4, some, okay, now here's a new category of people. Some, verse 10, sat in darkness and the deepest gloom, prisoners suffering in iron chains. For they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and, de- and the deepest gloom and b- broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. That's a beautiful picture. Now remember, this is poetry, and poetry gives us pictures. The words prisoner uh, or iron chains are metaphors for being bound, enslaved, stuck, perhaps feeling trapped. Notice verse 11, our search for freedom is often a form of rebellion against God. We go and we look for the things that will bring us happiness and in the process, we get stuck in areas of our lives. We get stuck with addictions, alcohol, drug addictions, food addictions, lust addictions. We find ourselves in things that we thought would bring us joy and happiness and now we're bound, we're stuck and we want to be free. And the great news about the gospel is is that if you are stuck, it's a great place to be when you look up to a God who has the power to free us, the power to set us free. So we cry out to him. And maybe in that instantaneous moment, God delivers us, or maybe it's a process of time. But one day we get to the end of that feeling stuck and in prison, and we look back and we say, God, you took me out of it. You saved me out of it. I remember when I was doing college ministry here at the church, there was a young man who came one evening to our college ministry. He sat in the back and he was kind of a rough looking guy, uh, invited by one of the gals that went to our ministry. He sat there and listened and he started coming for a couple of weeks. And on one of those first few weeks that he came, Danny gave his heart to Jesus. And then in the following weeks, something extraordinary took place. More and more people started to come to the college ministry because Danny reached out to them and brought them. And here was Danny's story. Danny told us shortly after he'd come to faith in Christ that he was stuck. He was stuck in drugs. He was a heavy drug user. And he decided to put this whole Christianity thing to the test one night when he left our college ministry and said, God, I don't want this lifestyle I'm in. I'm sick of this lifestyle I'm in. I know it's going to ultimately kill me. I need you to take it out of my life. And I need you to come in and be Lord of my life. I still get emotional thinking about Danny because I know Danny's life today. He's a servant of Jesus. He doesn't live in this area. I wish he did, but for years he served here at Three Crosses. A beautiful artist. He went on and had a great career in animation and, and artistry. But Danny was freed that night when he opened his heart to Jesus. And God freed him totally, cold turkey off of every drug. And he was not just doing light stuff. He was doing the heavy stuff. And then he, instead of leaving his friends like some of us do that become Christ followers, he, 
he stayed with his friends and started to beckon them and invite them to know this Jesus that had changed his life. And in those weeks that followed Danny's conversion, there were more and more people coming, people that were out of the lifestyle that Danny was in, listening to the message. Many of them gave their lives to Jesus. And in fact, one of the gals in our ministry today, her name is Carmen, she stopped me in the lobby and said, I know you are who you're talking about. Danny was the one that brought me to faith in Jesus Christ. Beautiful story. This is our testimony. This is what his testimony was. And if God has freed you from something in your life, if he's shown you his faithfulness by freeing you, then speak up. Tell people. Don't let it be something that was just the mess of your life back then. Let people know what God has done. That might happen around some tables even this week. A third scenario comes to us in verses 17 through 22. And I like this. 17 through 22 tells us that we could talk about a time when physically we were down for the count. (laughs) That's true, isn't it? I know that there are miracle people walking in our midst, people who really shouldn't be here. They've come close to death, but God pulled them back. God had more for them to do. Our physical health, verse 17, watch this, our physical health is sometimes compromised because of bad or sinful choices that we make. Look at this. Some became fools, verse 17, through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent forth his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Have you ever been on the brink? Have you ever been at the precipice? Have you ever felt your life slipping away? Sometimes it's because of the choices we make, like I make reference to to alcohol or drug addictions. But we could include other things, workaholism, a bad diet, no exercise, junk food, eating too much turkey and gravy and mashed potatoes. (laughs) Or what about things like worry, anger, or injuries not cared for? There are a number of bad choices that can compromise our health. And some of us have paid the price, and yet God has been gracious. We should speak up about that. And not only should we speak up about those things, but even when physical health is sometimes compromised simply because of disease or injury, have nothing to do with anything we've done, not bad choices, things like cancer and AIDS and cardiac arrest and stroke and pneumonia. Some of these things can be connected to lifestyle choices that we make, but a lot of times these things just come. They come out of the blue to us. We're exposed. We don't know it. Diabetes, lupus, Parkinson's, things that are just in our bodies. What's in our body that is eventually going to come out? We don't know. Even aging itself is something we can all relate to. I'm relating more and more to that every day. Things don't feel the same way they used to feel. When I go out and I exercise, I'm a little more sore for a longer period of time. I know that age creeps up, and with age comes all those things. And sometimes those things come even before age. You can be a child and have cancer. Or be in an accident. But when we're physically down, I have never met anybody. Well, I I shouldn't say that. I've met a couple people, really, two (laughs) 
two or three, I think, out of my entire existence of being a, a pastor, going into hospitals and praying over one of our parishioners who's needing a physical touch and pray over them. And I always look to the bed next to them. Who's in that bed? Sir or ma'am, can I pray for you? I'd like to pray for you too. And out of hundreds, thousands of those kinds of conversations, I can only think of two or three people that said, no thanks, I'm good. You know, I just, I just don't get that. When, when you're down for the count, you say, bring it on. You know, I want God's help. I, I need God's help, even if they don't understand what that means. And sometimes God gives an opportunity to explain what that means. But what does this say? God hears our cry, saves us from our distress. Some of us can clearly remember when God stepped in and held us from going over the edge. We shouldn't be alive, but God saved us. So guess what? We should thank him for that. We should speak up about that. Maybe that's going to happen around some tables this week. There's a fourth scenario there quickly, verses 23 through 32. Not only could we talk about these things, but we could also talk about when circumstances in our lives just became extremely perilous. Verses 23 through 20, uh, 32, follow along, see if you can pick this out. Now remember, this is poetry, so you've got to listen carefully. You've got to see what's being built here. Look at the image here. Others just like those sums that we looked at earlier, others went out on the sea in ships. There were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm with a, to a whisper, and waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them exalt in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. Okay, what's going on here in this section? I call this extremely perilous times because what the psalmist is describing here is a time or a season when something happened in our lives that was likened to a storm on the sea. Now, most of us are not, you know, naval captains. We've not, you know, been out on the, you know, crab fishing or Alaska. You know, you watch those TV shows sometimes, you know, the big storms and the waves, and you think, man, I'm so glad I'm in my living room watching this. Because if I was on the deck of that ship or that boat, I would just be freaking out to be so, I don't think there's anything as crazy scary as being on a small boat, even if it's a ship, in the midst of a vast ocean that the breakers are coming over at 80 and 90 feet, you know, those kind of things. Oh my goodness, it just, it just scares us. The storms of life can often cause us to lose our courage. Look at verses 26 and 27. We came to the place of our wit's end. Fierce storms that come up out of nowhere. We don't even know where they came from. A car accident, a loss of a job, a son runs away, a daughter is addicted to drugs, a marriage that fails, a relationship that went south, a depression that you don't even know where it comes from and people are telling you to cheer up. Is something really deep and dark going on in your heart. You don't even know how to explain it. 
storms that just blow in on our lives. And this is what the psalmist is saying. We find ourselves in these storms and when we find ourselves that way, we cry out to God and God does come along in his beautiful providential timing. And watch this, he calms the storm and he brings the the sea to a quiet. That doesn't necessarily mean that the circumstances have changed, but like the person I talked to earlier this week, that in the midst of a great storm that's in their life, a different person than the one I just mentioned a moment ago. They're saying, there's a peace that is so beautiful. I can smile into this storm because I know God is there and I know God is going to do his will in my life. And it's hard and it's challenging, but there's a peace that's just, it's just making the waters still in my life. I think of Psalm 23, he puts a banquet before me in the presence of my enemies. You eat, you eat that banquet? Where you can sit down and enjoy a, a sumptuous feast because even in the midst of all the torrent that is around you and all the pushing and all the struggle, you can say, God, you are always good and you are always loving. Thank you, Lord, for that. That's our testimony. And we should speak up about it. So the first if then, if we are God's people, we should speak up about it. And if we're honest, we should have plenty to talk about. And lastly, if we're wise, we'll see God's great love behind all of what he does for his people. This is what the psalmist wants us to camp out on. Uh, Verses 33 and following don't seem to fit with this psalm. Um, I mean, he finishes these beautiful four scenarios and then he turns to verse, look at verse 33. He turned rivers into a desert, flowing springs into thirsty ground. The fruitful land into a salt waste because of the wickedness of those who live there. He turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs. There he brought the hungry to live and, there, and they founded a city where they could settle. They sowed fields and planted vineyards that yielded a fruitful harvest. He blessed them and their numbers greatly increased and he did not let their herds diminish. Then their numbers decreased. They were humbled by oppression, calamity, sorrow. He who pours contempt on nobles made them wander in a trackless waste. But he, he lifted the needy out of their affliction and increased their families like flocks. The upright see and rejoice, but all the wicked shut their mouths." You get the point? Whoever is wise, let him heed these things and consider the great love of the Lord. The psalmist is saying, speak up about it. See what you see in life. Recognize what you see. Recognize it as the hand of God. He brings up and he brings down. He humbles people that think they're great. And he lifts up those who are needy and oppressed. He uses his power in nature to accomplish his purposes You know, we're in a drought right now. And I read this passage and it says, wow, God is allowing, you know, God controls all this stuff. And I don't know why God's allowing this part. You know, the mid, the the east is getting like blanketed in thousands of feet of snow. God, wouldn't it be great if you could just throw that some over here on the west? And here we are in a drought. It sprinkles and we're like, yay, you know. But I'll tell you this, you know what God wants to do in a season of drought? He wants us to get our eyes on him. He wants to see that he's the provider. He's the one that provides. And whatever he wants to do with the drought, that's his business. But we should be looking to him and contemplating him and trusting him. Not to somehow, you know, talk him into doing something. 
but just observing, observing how he uses nature to accomplish his purposes. He lifts up the oppressed but brings down the proud, verses 39 through 42. Which one are you? Are you looking up to God saying, God, I need your help? Are you saying, God, I got this. I'll be okay. This psalm is all about seeing what God has done and speaking up. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't God's word good? Want to be grateful to the core? Then use your gratefulness as a platform to witness of how good the Lord is and how loving he is to us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Lord, you probably brought some folks today um, that haven't thought about what you've done for a while. And it's a beautiful reminder. So we just want to collectively say thank you, Lord, for all the times we've cried out to you. And, and in the way that only you can, Lord, you provided. And that should be sort of the script that we share with people around us, how good and loving you are. And some of us are in places right now, we're in one of those four scenarios right now. And maybe if the lesson should be learned, it should be that we should cry out to you, knowing that you hear us and you are the only one that can bring us out of our distress. And Lord, that usually means changing the furniture around a little bit in our houses, in our personal lives. And making a way for your word to come in, have entrance and have supremacy over what we think we ought to do. So get us humble, Lord. Help us to stay humble before you this morning. And Lord, if there's anyone here today that needs to either say thank you or come back in a scenario where they're just trusting you, Lord, let, let them just know that the door's wide open for that. And if you brought someone today that doesn't have a relationship with you, Lord, oh Lord, we ask, we we cry out, Lord, that you would set some people free today, forever, by giving them the grace to believe on you, Jesus, who died for their sins and rose again from the grave. And if that's you, wherever you are in this moment right now, the Lord will hear your prayer. If you'd simply submit your life to him, believe that he is the Savior, that you're a sinner, that you need to walk away from a life that you've lived and live a life that pleases God through his strength and his glory, and there's nothing you could ever do to earn this beautiful gift of salvation, but you would, by faith, reach out and receive it today. And if that's you, wherever you are in this auditorium or listening, you can do that right now. So thank you, Lord. Have your will and way in these next few minutes as we respond to you. I pray these things in your name. Amen. As a posture of anticipation, would you stand with me, please, everybody? Let's worship the Lord right now, and let's listen for what he wants to say in these moments. These next five minutes may be the most important minutes in this entire service. So let's not disturb those around us. Let's focus, and let's worship the Lord. Let's ask him to show us what needs to change and what he's done so that we can give him praise. Zephaniah 3.17